You're listening to TalkZone.com, Internet Talk Radio. TalkZone.com. It's time for Healthy Talk Radio. By the powers vested in me, by the Federal Communications Commission. Coming to you live from the headquarters of the Global Health Network and across the world wide web. <gasps> Computers can do that? It's America's longest running radio program dedicated to your health and wellness. What's taking place here is an alternative approach. Now, the woman who's changing the face of health care each and every day. That's the fact, Jack! Here's Deborah Ray. Good day. Welcome to Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. Well, there are packages of ugly teeth, uh, fake Halloween teeth, sold by the tens of thousands since last year. An 11th hour recall. They may not only be ugly in terms of how they look, but have too much lead as well. Another recall. He's joined us in the past to talk about some of his intriguing writings. He's a best-selling author. He joins us today, Gary Zukoff, to talk about Soul to Soul. He's the author of the number one bestseller, The Seed of the Soul, returns us today to talk about communications from the heart. Gary Zukoff joining us today, the book Soul to Soul. It's all about your spiritual health, plugging into that spiritual communication with Gary Zukoff joining us today right here on Healthy Talk Radio. Now the news and views about the news you won't hear anywhere else. The Healthy Talk Radio News Digest. Well, it may be a breakthrough or it may be too early to tell. The University of Rochester Medical Center found that... um, a virus that is linked to cold sores. We're talking about the herpes simplex 1 virus uh, seems to have a link with Alzheimer's. They found that brains infected with this herpes simplex uh, virus 1 also had a rise in protein linked to Alzheimer's disease. So, of course, here's the $64,000 question and the reason why they'd like some more money for more study. Does having the herpes simplex virus 1 somehow damage the brain, making it more vulnerable to the development of Alzheimer's? Or is the opposite the true? The neurofibrils, the protein plaques that form in the brains of those with Alzheimer's, um, does that help somehow uh, reduce the brain's resistance and allow infection with these herpes simplex virus 1? Of course, previous research has, also, has already established that this virus associated with cold sores is found in the brains of up to 70% of the people with Alzheimer's. The intriguing part of the picture is that the research coming out of Brown University, Dr. Susan Delamont, and now other researchers' labs, that Alzheimer's may be a third type of diabetes diabetes type 3 because apparently we didn't know that our brain is designed to produce insulin. It fails to do so in Alzheimer's and of course we link diabetes with strokes. We find many strokes of the brain in Alzheimer's disease. We also find um, uh, a little more susceptibility in terms of immune function. So why there's a link? Uh, a lot more money to a lot more study is going to be needed to discover why 70% of people with Alzheimer's have an infection uh, in their brain of the herpes simplex virus 1 strain that is linked to cold sores. 
Well, it's amazing information coming out of the Netherlands, published in today's New England Journal of Medicine, and it really <laughs> serves to be a stark reminder of how we medicalize symptoms. We have become so fixated on the catch-it-in-time mentality. Uh, you and me as healthcare consumers have been widely lauded for coming in for regular physical exams and dental checks-ups and chest x-rays and uh, blood studies and mammograms and PSA screens and colonoscopies, all under the guise that we could catch it in time. Well, these researchers in the Netherlands took a look at 2,000 healthy adults and decided to do brain MRIs on them. They were looking at the causes and consequences of age-related brain changes and what they found was just shocking that 7% of these people had evidence of silent strokes in their brain 1.6% nearly 2% of the people had brain tumors all but one were non-cancerous but of course we know any growth in the brain can impinge the function of certain areas in the brain And almost 2% of the people, 1.8%, had bulging blood vessels aneurysms. So it begs the question, you know, is it good medicine to start telling every person, whoa, you know, here's this study, and 7% of the people had silent strokes, and 1.6% had brain tumors, and 1.8% had aneurysms. Maybe you ought to have a brain MRI just to be sure. Or is it to the point, as we have seen, in our effort to catch lung cancer in time, use ultra-fast uh, CT scans of the lung in heavy smokers only to de- identify problem areas that when you went further, in other words, subjected that patient to additional studies and additional risk, you found that those, oh, that doesn't look good, or, oh, gee, that, that's troubling there, really wasn't anything after all. Brain scan abnormalities not uncommon, and with just a startling study, it was the first of September. They took a look at um, uh, elite tennis athletes in England. These were young people. I think it was age 16 to 25, top form, top athletes, and did functional MRIs of the back, only to discover that some of them had frank had stra- uh, fractures, all kinds of abnormalities, yet they had no pain. So, <laughs> I mean, of course, the take-home message is, when you tell somebody, oh my goodness, you've had a silent stroke, or oh my goodness, you've got a brain tumor, but good news, it's benign, or, or oh my goodness, you've got a, a bulging blood vessel, you create a whole chemistry of worry in that person's brain and you have to wonder what is going to be the end result of that if you think oh my goodness I've got this abnormality you know the the brain MRI showed it I have a brain tumor even though it's 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 not uh, malignant you start to think oh my goodness a headache oh, must be that brain tumor I mean sometimes you have to take a look at these sophisticated pieces of equipment and wonder, do we put in perspective that patient's total mental outlook 
with the revelation that, oh, one in 60 people are walking around with brain tumors and don't know it. <laughs> it's just, you know, sometimes you have to just say, hey, you know, until the body starts to talk to you and tell you something is wrong, perhaps all this early detection screening isn't for the better. You know, do, do these people have a better quality of life to go home and be told, oh, my goodness, you know, you were healthy when you started this study, and we now know that one in 60 of you have brain tumors that nobody suspected, and almost 2% of you have bulging uh, blood vessels, and over 7% of you have had silent strokes. Makes you wonder about the mass screening mentality here. Well, feeling a little, just like I could use a little nap. Now, according to British research in the Journal of Applied Physiology, afternoon naps appear to lower blood pressure. It's a beneficial effect that does not occur with resting, but remaining awake for the same period of time. It was interesting, according to these British researchers, that a large decline in blood pressure occurs during the daytime sleep onset period only when sleep is suspected that when that subject rests in a supine position the same reduction in blood pressure is not observed of course we know that your blood pressure lying down versus your blood pressure standing up is different and now there's a revelation that your blood pressure at night is different than it is in the daytime We really shouldn't be jumping to the prescription pad unless we take a look at uh, an average blood pressure day and night time. And apparently, it's different when you recline to nap. An afternoon nap may lower your blood pressure. Here's the doctor's prescription (laughs) for get a little extra rest. And oh, by the way, you can lower your blood pressure as well. Well, it's sobering words. Staff at the gym. The now the revelation that um, MRSA, antibiotic-resistant bacteria infections, can be spread by a shared towel, a razor, a piece of exports equipment, skin-to-skin contact, with um, the revelation that 1% of the population carries MRSA bacteria, that 30% of us carry staph in our nose, wash your hands frequently at the gym, Be careful if somebody has an open sore and is not covering it before they use that equipment. We're going to return to talk with a noted author. His latest book, Soul to Soul, Communications from the Heart. Best-selling author Gary Zukoff joining us today right here on Healthy Talk Radio. Answers to questions you can't solve with a pill. Healthy Talk Radio with Deborah Ray. A special guest joining us today. We've had the opportunity to talk with him about his writings in the past. Interesting background. Graduate of Harvard University. He has served all of us as a former U.S. Army Special Forces officer. He has been attracting much attention, though, with the unfolding revelation that in a world where we have been so culturally conditioned, when we talk about health and well-being, that the question will come up, well, what's your blood pressure or your blood sugar or your cholesterol? Physical manifestations of our health with the unfolding revelation to many of us that emotional and spiritual aspects 
the three legs of the stool are what are required for balance. The latest book is entitled Soul to Soul, Communications from the Heart, and we are delighted and honored to have the best-selling author Gary Zukoff join us today. Gary, hello and welcome. Hello, Deborah. Nice to have you join us. Thank you. Well, we'll set the stage for us. You, you, you started this journey personally. It became your profession. Um, and along the way, uh, as you tell the story in Soul to Soul, uh, you reconnected with um, nature and seasons in a world that is so tied into technology and living so far from being with nature. Tell us the story, Gary. Well, I am I am so um, um, pleased with my own life. It's been so painful, and yet I've realized that so much in it has given me um, the things that I now have, the things that I cherish the most, which are being in this beautiful world and being able to contribute all to it that I can. I um, uh, graduated from Harvard. I, I grew up from in a small town in Kansas in a lower middle class family and got a scholarship to Harvard and then joined the Army. I was so insecure I needed to be a Green Beret. I needed to, to feel admired and I, I couldn't say it at the time but I needed to feel loved. And all of that uh, continued. I was uh, rode motorcycles, uh, drove high performance cars. I was a sex addict. I experimented with drugs. I did things that were um, not usually associated with Harvard graduates, I don't think. And then I discovered quantum physics. I've never uh-huh. been interested in physics. So I got invited to this meeting of physicists at the Lawrence Berkeley Laboratory. And I discovered that they were talking about the most exciting thing. They were talking about whether consciousness creates reality or not. And I decided that I wanted to return to this meeting again and again. And they allowed me to do that. And the result of that was a book called The Dancing Wooly Masters an overview of the new physics. And it was written for lay people like myself who didn't have a scientific background or even a mathematical background. And I loved writing that book. It was my first gift to life. And to my utter surprise, uh, it, it won the American Book Award for Science and got a rave review in the New York Times. And so I thought that I would become a popularizer of, of uh, cutting-edge science. And then the thing happened that you're talking about. I discovered non-physical reality. I discovered that we are each more than bodies and more than minds. That we are living in a universe of compassion and wisdom. That all of our experiences serve our spiritual development. That health, in a very deep sense, is inseparable from spirituality. And so I decided to do my best to write a book about that and I called that book The Seat of the Soul and that was published in 1989 and I found myself evermore appreciating the richness of life and the richness of our world and so here I am uh, I'm a white male graduate of Harvard former Green Bray officer and yet I can say to everyone who is listening that we are much more than we appear to our five senses. That we are much more than minds and bodies. 
and that hundreds of millions of people are awakening to that now in their own way and in their own time. It's, uh, it, it may be the perception that your life has a meaning and, and you need to find that meaning. <coughs> Pardon me. Or it may mean, or it may be that you have a sense that you're in just the right place at the right time. Right. Or sometimes, uh, you can begin to see things about other people and about yourself that you couldn't before. Well, this is just the beginning, and I love sharing all of these things. That's why I write books. That's why uh, uh, my spiritual partner, Linda Francis, and I uh, give workshops. That's why we create programs, all to help people understand what authentic power is, the alignment of your personality with your soul, what that means, what the experience of it is. There are experiences of emotional awareness, of responsible choice, of experiencing and learning about yourself from your own from your emotions and your interactions and healing about yourself what you need to heal in order to move into your full potential it's a it's the experience of becoming a creator in your life instead of a victim of your life and with the emerging um, field of neuroscience telling us Gary that there is science behind spiritual emotions like forgiveness and, and empathy and altruism and um, that others are telling us that we're hardwired to think with our heart and there are, are brain cells there and hormone receptors and we're, we're actually plugged in uh, hormonally um, you know to take those troubles to heart it, it's, a, it's a fascinating opportunity for all of us just as you connect, us in soul to soul with the rhythms of day and night and the rhythms of nature uh, that truly the, those those cycles uh, really govern uh, health and, and that intriguing uh, correlation. I'd welcome your insight here, Gary, that we find so many um, uh, you know, mentions in literature that really speak to physical health that kind of tie the dots together. That, you know, taking those troubles to heart, the weight of the world on your shoulders, what's eating at you, <laughs> uh, can really be a beautiful expression of that fabric of balance as you talk about in Soul to Soul. Um, that, you know, we are physical, emotional, and spiritual beings. I'd welcome your insight. Oh, thank you, Deborah. It's really a delight to be on your show because these are wonderful questions. For me, the universe and our world and everything in it is a spiritual enterprise. So when you say mind, body, and spirit, to me, everything is spirit. Your mind, your body, all of that, the universe is a spiritual endeavor, not a material endeavor. And as, as what I want to share also is that we have moved into a new we have moved across a threshold into a new domain of human experience. And that means that we are expanding beyond the limitations of our five senses. We're beginning to realize that we are more than we thought we were. I'm not the only one who in his own way discovers that there's more to this world than quantum physics or medical science or geology or geography can teach us. And as we do, we begin to realize how Closely, um, let me put it this way: all of the mind-body research that was done by is being done by Herbert Benson at Harvard. Mm-hmm. All of the literature that shows us that there is a relationship between what we think and what we feel and our health is all reflecting our 
growing awareness that we are on the earth for a purpose and that purpose is to be is to learn how to live lives of love rather than lives of fear when we live lives of fear we produce physical dysfunction when we li- live lives of love we produce physical health and from this perspective the, the development of emotional awareness of responsible choice of using your intuition of looking at the universe as a wise and compassionate place which is by the way something I didn't do for most of my life that all of this is uh, in a very profound sense uh, preventative uh, medicine Gary hold that thought health. we don't want to miss a minute the co-founder of the Seat of the Soul Institute the author of Soul to Soul Gary Zukoff joining us today The information on Healthy Talk Radio may be eye-opening, controversial, and disturbing to some closed-minded members of the medical community, but it is all well-documented and presented by credentialed guests as well as our knowledgeable host. It may not represent the views of this network, this radio station, or its sponsors, but hey, that's life. An honor and privilege to have Gary Zukoff join us today. His latest book, Soul to Soul, Communications to the Heart, From Soul Subjects to Soul Questions, he uh, takes on um, a number of questions to uh, really um, empower, uh, you know, delight, educate, just, uh, you know, spark thought uh, in contemplation in each and every one of us. And we were, we were talking about that, that wonderful uh, fabric of uh, physical, emotional, and, and spiritual health of balance. And um, as you related, um, fear and stress um, of driving so much of, of what we now um, attribute to be uh, any number of medical ills, uh, Gary, bring us back to, to balance in terms of listening to our body, learning some of those life lessons uh, from, for example, how our body stores stress, if you would, please. You know, I, I love listening to, the, uh, to some of the announcements that uh, you had recorded during the break, Deborah. And I, I want to say that Although I am uh, here to suggest that your life is meaningful, that uh, spiritual growth is the essence of it, that without it your life will unfold with more, with less and less meaning, and that your anger and your judgment and jealousy and resentment will not uh, diminish naturally as you as you age, and that as you challenge your fears and heal them, you become more. Your life fills with meaning. And um, uh, you begin to be able to give the gifts that your soul wants to give, the gifts that you were born to give. Now, in that process, your body is very important. You can look at your personality, which is your uh, <clears throat> your body, mm-hmm. uh, your mind, all of the things that psychologists call a personality, cognition, affect, perception and your intuitional structure, which is the way that you experience intuition, all of that you can look at as an energy tool of your soul. Your soul is that part of your personality that existed before you were born and that will exist after you die. Your personality, the one that bears your name, has a birth day and a death date. 
So it's not going to live forever, no matter what you do to it. But while you have a body, it is important to honor it and to keep it vital. And paying attention to what you eat is so important. And what you ingest, uh, what you ingest is really also more than what you eat. I was a vegetarian for a long time, and uh, but I didn't realize that while I was a vegetarian, I was almost daily having critical thoughts, critical thoughts of other people, critical thoughts about myself. I was being judgmental, finding faults, blaming. All of those are toxins. And I realized that although I was eating broccoli and tofu, I might as well have been eating rare roast beef because I wasn't paying attention to everything that I was ingesting, including my thoughts and and all of my judgments. So for me, health is a complex and a rich issue. We were, in fact, born to be healthy, born to learn how to challenge our fears and to cultivate, the, to challenge the frightened parts of our personality and to cultivate the loving parts of our personality. And as we become multisensory, which means begin to realize that we are more than bodies and uh, more than minds, we begin to see that every physical dysfunction is actually the end, the, 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 the uh, later stages of a long developmental process. In other words, here in the domain of matter and space and duality and time. We say that we have an emergency when we break a bone or suddenly discover that we have cancer or AIDS or Parkinson's disease or MS and we rush to get medical attention. Or in the case of the bone, we, br- we rush to an, an ER. But from a multi-sensory perspective, every physical dysfunction is actually... Uh, and, and, and emer- a state of emergency. It is the end. It is, it, is the, it is the acute stage of a long chronic process. So whenever you find any physical dysfunction in your body, you will be able to take that as an indicator that there is something that you need to look at in yourself, which, of course, there's a lot of things that you that need to look at in yourself if you want to move into your fulfillment, into your fullest potential. But one of the most important of them, let me put it this way, as we become multisensory, we begin to be able to see that emotions are more than um, matters of hormones or enzymes or neurotransmitters, that they actually have a function. Most people tend to look at emotions as like appendixes. Um, they're, they're painful. They don't serve a useful function. When they become inflamed, they need to be taken out and then the problem is resolved. But emotions are actually very valuable in your spiritual development. Your emotions are informative. Your emotions show you when a frightened part of your personality is active and when a loving part of your personality is active. When a frightened part of your personality is active, and by that I don't mean just when you're trembling or sweaty or you feel nauseous with fear. I mean when you're angry or when you're jealous or resentful or when you feel superior to other people or you feel inferior to other people 
or when you have any compulsive behavior that you notice in yourself, like uh, shopping or workaholism or perfectionism or any addictive behavior such as smoking, drinking, sex, pornography, um, gambling, drugs, all of those are expressions or behaviors of frightened parts of your personality. And if you don't do those behaviors and you go and you don't act on your anger or your jealousy when you feel it, but instead you look inside yourself and you examine the physical sensations in your body, you begin to find that when frightened parts of your personality are active, you experience physical, you feel, you experience painful physical sensations. For example, um, every country in Western song talks about heartache, and heartache is very real. Right. Uh, when we have something difficult to say, we say to ourselves, I get choked up. So paying attention to the physical sensations in your body will show you when frightened parts of your personality are present and when are activated and when loving parts are activated. Now the spiritual path is to recognize the frightened parts and challenge them and change them by not acting on them by deciding to do something different, by making a responsible choice instead of shouting, for example, when you're angry, deciding not to speak in anger. That challenges that frightened part of your personality, and as you challenge it again and again and again, it begins to lose its power over you, and you begin to gain power over it. And that's how you create authentic power. You exercise your own demons, and that's how you create your health. For me... And if you look at it carefully, I think you'll see also that aging is not a matter of physical deterioration per se. The physical deterioration itself has a cause, and that cause is negativity. Now, I'm not meaning to say that as you remove negativity from your life, which is another way of looking at uh, the creation of authentic power, that you will live forever. You won't. You will die. The Buddha has died. Everyone that you know has died, and everyone in human history has died, because personalities return to ashes and dust. But your soul doesn't. Your soul is eternal. And authentic power is aligning yourself, your personality, with your soul. And the intentions of your soul are harmony and cooperation and sharing and reverence for life. And as you create these in your life, you also create health. You create physical health. You create vibrancy and vitality. You create... Mm, your creativity, in fact, becomes unlimited. And that, to me, is health. Deep health. You could say the creation of authentic power is a process of creating deep health on a very long-term basis. Now, while we're in the Earth School and we have our beautiful bodies, it's up to us to take care of ourselves. The best way that we can take care of ourselves is by loving ourselves. And until you do that, as you know, it's sort of a new age crochet. You can't love anyone else. It works the other way. If you don't love other people, if you're critical of them, that's what you're doing to yourself. So as you heal the frightened parts of your personality, you create health. And as you do, you naturally want to take care of your body. You naturally want to eat healthy foods. You naturally want to exercise. You want to have a limber body and a limber mind. You want to have a limber life so that you're not judgmental, so that you can move through the world with an empowered heart without attachment to the outcome. 
that is an ultimate expression of health. That's love. Love is the ultimate expression of health. I've been fascinated uh, recently uh, with, you, with your uh, discussion, Gary, of, of, of aging, that of any of the markers of aging um, that medicine has defined, it always comes back to you're only as old as you feel that that um, you know connection with 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 heart uh, your youthful spirit is the single predictor of aging and we were talking just yesterday a, a, a study out taking a look at people uh, prior to treatment of lung cancer and the best predictor of longevity was not any physical marker in terms of how aggressive the cells were and the metastasis. It, it, it all had to do with, with their spirit, their soul. And it's intriguing that, that science continues to, to unfold, uh, you know, verification of, of, you know, of this soul to soul communication, Gary. Isn't it fascinating? Yeah. And isn't it, uh, refreshing? And rewarding and delightful and invigorating and, and inspiring. As we become souls, we begin to look at each other with a great deal more compassion. We begin to see that our lives are worthy of our full attention. And we begin to realize that we're not invisible, that we are powerful, creative spirits. I want to suggest that to everyone who's listening to us now, that you are a powerful and creative, compassionate and loving spirit try that on for size if you feel that it doesn't fit then hold the thought that it's actually so nonetheless and set about changing and healing in you that which doesn't fit that description because that which you feel doesn't fit that description are the frightened parts of your personality and they are the parts of your personality that are using your creative capacity irresponsibly or outside unconsciously is perhaps another word and whatever they create what they create is painful to encounter so begin to create as consciously as you can soul to soul is about that the seed of the soul the first book about the soul that I wrote is about that everything that I do is about that to support you and to support everyone that is interested in learning how to create the deepest health possible. And may, may I uh, share our website, Deborah? Please. We have a website, uh, Seat of the Soul, S-E-A-T of the S-O-U-L dot com. Mm-hmm. And it's the website of the Seat of the Soul Institute. It was named after the, the first book that I wrote. And it's Seat, like, like what you sit in. And that website has some things that can be very helpful to you. For example, the Spiritual Partnership Guidelines. You can download them for free. There's a free online course. And I invite you to go there and to and to practice, for example, using the spiritual partnership guidelines and see how they apply in your life to the creation of health in your life. For example, one of them is focus on what you can learn about yourself from your reactions, not about other people. Notice your emotions. Notice your thoughts. And especially, well, not especially, but also notice your intentions. Is it to make someone else right or wrong? Is it to support woman, someone or to make yourself feel superior? Other guidelines are 
Take responsibility for your feelings and your experiences. In other words, no blaming other people. Practice integrity at all times. Say or do what's most difficult to be in your wholeness and in your and in your integrity. Change your perspective from fearful to loving. Release any distance that you have from anyone else. Be present with others. That's how you create compassion. And when you communicate and when you act, consult your intuition. Choose your intention consciously. Speak or act from the most healthy part of your personality that you can find. Speak personally and specifically. And then release attachment to the outcome, because if you don't do that, you're trying to change someone else. Gary, hold that thought. We don't want to miss a minute. We'll pick it right back up there when we return. He's a best-selling author, uh, the co-founder of Seat of the Soul Institute. Gary Zukoff on Healthy Talk Radio. America's number one source for healthcare information, news, and medical breakthroughs. Making America healthy coast to coast. It's Healthy Talk Radio with Deborah Ray. Delighted and honored to have best-selling author Gary Zukav, Z-U-K-A-V, join us today. His latest, Soul to Soul, Communications from the Heart, and you can find out more, as he indicated. Uh, wonderful opportunity for uh, spiritual growth at SeatOfTheSoul.com. He's the co-founder of Seat of the Soul Institute. And if you tell us a little bit about um, the events and programs that we can find at SeatOfTheSoul.com, please, Gary. We are, uh, have just finished a season now of, uh, of workshops, and we are programming uh, for 2008. But what we plan are a series of workshops on spiritual partnership. A spiritual partnership is partnership between equals for the purpose of spiritual growth. It's not just a couple's dynamic. So we're going to be giving workshops on spiritual partnership for couples and also spiritual partnership for everyone. My dream is a spiritual partnership of six billion people. Six billion, a partnership of six billion people who are equals and who are in partnership for the purpose of spiritual growth. And, uh, we also have a three year program called an, uh, the Authentic Power Program. And that you have to uh, go to a, an event or two to uh, qualify to apply for. Oh, and we have an, um, a five-day retreat called The Path to Authentic Power, which is going to be on Mount Hood outside of Portland, Oregon, next uh, July. And that one is already filling up. We only have it once a year. So if you're interested in that, I suggest that you go to the website and and uh, and look at the information and um, give a call to the Institute. And, Deborah, I want to say I so appreciate your, your show. Uh, I've I not only enjoyed being on it with you, but listening to... Uh, what you've shared and the uh, and the companies that you've chosen to be your sponsors. I feel that um, we're in a period of enormous transformation, and it's touching every social um, social structure, such as medicine. and And I'm looking forward to co-creating with you and with your listeners any way that I can. This transformation is happening in the field of medicine, in which the hospital medical insurance complex is becoming increasingly dysfunctional and in its place is already emerging a new approach to health which includes as you put it mind body spirit i would say the different aspects of spirituality and at its core is self-responsibility that is patients don't present themselves to physicians or hospitals like a, a automobile 
automobiles present themselves to mechanics or presented to mechanics, but our health becomes a matter of self-creation. And creating authentic power, which is the thing that I love the most, is all about using your own creativity wisely, intelligently, compassionately, to create health in the deepest sense. Oh, as you tell it well, Gary, empowering each and every one of our souls. Gary, a privilege and pleasure. The new book, Soul to Soul. See the Soul.com. I'm Deborah Ray reminding you to live long, stay healthy.